host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. Our subject today is mental health. And to help us discuss this topic, we have with us today Alice Mills Mai. She's a licensed mental health counselor that is the founder and clinical director of Centering Wellness Counseling. Hi, Alice. Hello. And I'd also like to say hello to my co-host today, Ms. Tish. How you doing, Tish? I'm doing okay. How you doing? Hey, girl, could be better. Always glad to hear your voice, and I'm glad that we finally have Alice on the, you know, Alice with us today. We've been trying to connect since I think it was last, somewhere in the summer of last year, and we're just now getting around to this. And mental health is always important, and we can't get enough of educating ourselves on mental health. Mm -hmm. So, Alice, Mm -hmm. uh, what I'd like for you to do is share a little bit about yourself with our listeners Mm-hmm. And then how you got okay. into the subject of mental health. So hello, everybody. I am Alice Mills Mai. I am a licensed mental health counselor, and I'm the founder and um, clinical director of Centrin Wholeness Counseling. And Centrin Wholeness Counseling is a mental health agency that specifically focuses on providing services to Black and brown people. So I got into the mental health field through my own experience with my family. So my family was going through a tragedy hospice. And um, as a result of that, we had a grief counselor helping us through um, that tragedy of preparing for a death of a family member. And it was really interesting to me. Before then, I haven't met a therapist or a counselor before. So I was like, oh, this is a job that somebody could do. And so I looked into it. And that is how I became a licensed mental health counselor. Okay, so how many years has that been? Oh, it's been over 10 years now. 10 years? <laughs> with education. Yes, 10 years. It, with education, um, getting my bachelor's degree, and then getting my master's degree before um, getting my hours to be independently licensed. And then it's been about seven years after graduating for my uh, master's program. Alice, how long has the Centering Wellness Counseling uh, been open? It's been open for about two years now. Before I did most of my work in um, community-based or nonprofit. Could you go ahead and give our listeners, tell mm-hmm. them how, how they can contact you? So we provide all our services. It's virtual. So um in the state of Ohio and New York. So wherever you are in those two states, we can provide virtual services to you. You can go to our website, www.centrinwholeness.com. You can send us an email at info at centrinwholeness.com or counseling at centrinwholeness.com. And we are on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, almost all social media, centrinwholeness.com. Um, Centrin Wholeness at Centrin Wholeness Counseling. What is the most common disorder in mental health? Yes, the most common that I see with people coming to see me is um, depression and anxiety. Um, and that goes with the research. Majority of the people coming in, it's some, something along the line of depression and anxiety. And sometimes it's a combination of both um, that you're coming in with. I was going to ask, so... 
Mm-hmm. What's the best way for people to identify whether they're feeling signs of depression or anxiety? What should they look mm-hmm. for? So like in the past, what, about two years? I think mm-hmm. within our organization alone, we've experienced some type of loss. So mm-hmm. what would be the beginning for somebody to, to deal with that type of loss? Yeah, so I would say when it comes to um, depression and anxiety, depression, it's like low mood or low state and anxiety is high state. And so some of the ways that a person can identify is um, acknowledging other mood symptoms, so your emotions, your thoughts, what's going on in your mind and also somatic, so what is going on in your body. With depression, some of the symptoms or some of the things that people could do like a check to see um, sadness or low, feeling low all the time, um, feeling irritability. So being angry or the smallest thing um, gets on your nerve, um, feeling worthless, spending time alone, social isolation, withdrawing from people, sometimes eating too much or not eating, sleeping too much or not sleeping at all. And the person can measure this based on their baseline. So you know yourself better, you know your normal state. And so you can use this to gauge, okay, is this how I normally function or is this not how I normally function? And then with anxiety, anxiety is often about being worried all the time. So some of it could look like irritability comes in here to restlessness. So being on edge, some people would describe it as being on edge. Um, some people would describe it, especially in black and brown people, people would say my nerves are acting up or something is happening to my nerves. Um, that could be a sign of uh, anxiety that people are describing. And especially when it comes to, um, let's say, black and brown people, the, what is, the studies is showing is that we often engage in what uh, may be called high-functioning anxiety and high-functioning depression. So let's say somebody may be depressed and they may be sleeping or they may be sad all the time. For Black people, they, they are still able to go to work, they are still able to do all the daily things that they could be doing, but when they come back home and they are in their closed um, circle or they are not around people, that's when they experience some of these symptoms where they cannot sleep, where they are not eating, they are not taking care of themselves and all of these things. And so sometimes when something happens, people would say, oh, this person, they look so normal or they were smiling yesterday. What do you mean by this happened to them? It's, be, it's because that a lot of Black and brown people are suffering in silence and behind closed doors that they do not show the normal symptoms. Specifically also with Black women, the idea of the strong Black woman also gets in the way of Black women really acknowledging that I'm struggling. Because oftentimes they internalize that I have to fit into this narrative. So they perform the strength. They are able to go to work, take care of their children and all of these things while they are struggling or they are not able to meet their needs, but they don't want to be seen as weak or they don't want to be seen as not meeting the strong woman narrative. So they, again, still overperform, um, analyzing, overanalyzing, okay, why can I not do this? Maybe I have to compensate more. So if, if I'm not able to get my work done, maybe I have to do double the work and then blame themselves and all of these. So these are some of the ways that people can really gauge um, how they are performing, especially sleep, eating, and interaction with people. Let me ask you this question. Is mental health something that we inherited from our family members? Mm -hmm. 
it is really difficult to pinpoint whether it's genetic or it's um, environmental. Sometimes it could be genetic. Um, maybe when you sit out and look at your family or things that are happening in family, you could see that, oh, maybe depression runs in this family or anxiety runs in this family. Or when we go to the serious end, maybe psychosis, um, bipolar or schizophrenia. At the same time, there could also be environmental factors that may cause um, anxiety or depression as well. So are you in an environment where maybe you're not being supported by the people around you? Are you going through a current loss that you're dealing with grief that you don't maybe have the tools to deal with it? Um, childhood plays a very important role because that's how our sense of self-worth um, is created. So what was your childhood experiences like? Were you in an environment where you feel supported or were you in an environment where you didn't feel supported? All of these things can contribute to a person's mental health. Um, with the specific um, causes, um, the research is still ongoing, um, especially when it comes to serious mental health issues such as schizophrenia. When a person is alive, it's difficult to perform a test to know what's causing it until a person dies and they are able to perform brain scan and um, research on the brain to know what is going on. But oftentimes it's a combination of either um, genetic factors and environmental factors, or sometimes it's just environmental factors or biological factors, but it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly what may be the cause of it. So given the impact of COVID and being BIPOC, <laughs> What's a good way for us to try to achieve, like, balance for ourselves so that we have a nice balance between work, family, because family brings its own set of, of pressures along with it. What are some things that we could do on our own in addition to counseling if we need it um, to help achieve that? Yes. Yeah, so some of the things a person can do sometimes is medication. I know in Black and brown communities, medication is still a thing, even though people are starting to go to therapy. Medication, people are still like, I don't know um, if I want to take medication, but sometimes it's medication that could help you. Um, sometimes it's um, looking at the food that you're eating. There's some foods that um, have been known to cause um, high anxiety. Um, are you a person that drinks coffee a lot? Coffee has been shown to go with um, anxiety. And so in terms of finding work-life balance, what I have seen is that it's impossible to find that balance. Because when you look at balance, we have two hands and we cannot um, fit everything into these two hands. You have work, you have family, you have your finances, you have friends, you have all these things that you have to do. So what really um, I often suggest people is finding harmony. And in harmony, that means that you may have to focus on one thing, um, let's say, Maybe you are in a, a stage in your life where family is going to take priority. So that means focusing on your family. And then you could get into a stage in your life where work is going to take uh, priority. So focusing on that priority as well. And if, again, in the state that balance is unattainable, that also means that sometimes we have to ask for help. So does that mean that um, maybe you have to, if you have the means, maybe you have to have somebody come to your house and clean your house for you. Maybe you have to have somebody get your groceries for you. Maybe you have to have somebody who cooks, or maybe you have to buy your food. So all these other things that you may be doing, you may have to delegate it to some people to help you with it. Even if you don't have somebody to pay, who you can pay to do it for you, 
do you have family and friends or people around you that you can ask help from them that day today um let's say you have children can you take out my children for maybe three hours this weekend so that i could go um, take care of myself or i could go for a walk or i could do something for myself so part of it is also really asking for help Another part of it is also to know that we are humans and we cannot do everything. So to know that you are limited in that capacity and finding a way to accept your own limitation, that this is what I can do, this is what I cannot do. And that doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with me or that doesn't mean that I am less of a mom or I'm less of a father because parents often blame themselves because they want to do everything, they want to work. They want to be there for their children's game. They want to do all of it. But when it naturally or the reality is, they cannot do all of it. So they also have to accept that I am going to miss some deadlines. There are some things that are not going to get done um, because I'm, I'm working, I'm being a parent, I'm doing all of these things. Some things are going to fall through the cracks. Within your center, what are some of the youngest ages that you deal with? We often see adults, so I would say the youngest that we have at the moment is 20, so young adults to about 50, um, that's what we have at the moment. We, we are not working with children at the moment. So if someone that was like 18 uh, or something like that, you would see them? Mm -hmm. Yes, as long as the person doesn't require parental consent to see us. I do, because you kind of triggered something for me. The, why is it hard to find, uh, well, especially here in, in Ohio, and Columbus especially, it's really hard to find um, counselors for children mm -hmm. 18 and under. Why is that? It's difficult to work with children because when you work with children, you are not only working with children, but you're also in a way working with family as well. And this is from my experience um, or the reason why um, I specifically specialize in seeing adults. But when you work with children, it's difficult to focus on the child because you also have to focus on the family. You have to focus on school and all of that. So it becomes really difficult to navigate that. And what I have seen um, when, with my little experience working with children is that majority of the time, um, it's really parents that have issues and children do not have any issues because also, children do not have control over the environment that they are in, and parents have the environment. So let's say I'm working with a child, and I would say, hey, um, in order to control your emotions or in order to control your anger, maybe you could take um, a walk, uh, a five-minute walk um, when you're feeling angry and stuff like that. Um, that depends on if a parent or a caregiver has time to take that child on a walk or to be with them. And some parents may not want to do that, or they could say that in my house, you cannot take a walk, or in my house, when I'm having a conversation with you, you cannot say, I need a break, you have to stay. Excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Has joined. Who just came on? My call. I, I dialed back in. You know, Alice. I'm sorry. <laughs> you missed all the good stuff. You I asked the question it. and then it dropped me. <laughs> I ought to make wait until the show comes out. But I want to see. 
I could go yeah, over it but, again. Hey, Alice, what type of mental health condition does the person who keeps hanging up whenever we do a radio? <laughs> Counselors see children from my little experience with children. Oftentimes, you're not only seeing the child versus if I'm seeing an adult, I'm only seeing the adult. But with children, it's you are dealing with family, you are dealing with parents. If the child is in foster care, you're also dealing with maybe their foster parents or whoever is in the child's life, you're dealing with school and all of that. So it makes the dynamics really difficult um, because in a way you're billing for only one person, but you're doing all this extra work as well. And the other thing is also that children, oftentimes when children uh, or caregivers bring children in, what I found in my time is that actually it's the parents or the caregivers who have issues or who have trouble regulating their emotions and and stuff like that, that it's not actually the child. And the child also doesn't have control over a lot of things. So I could tell a right. child, uh, maybe when you're upset, can you go for a walk? And then maybe they live in a home and the caregiver would say that in my house, when you're upset, you cannot go for a walk or you cannot walk away from me. So then it makes it really um, difficult to really work with the child and be independent. And then you would work with the child. Uh, Caregivers want to know everything that you discussed in the session. And in a way, they should know because they are caregivers. They sign off um, on the child. They may be paying and all of that. So they may want to know everything. And sometimes they will tell you that I don't agree with what you're telling my child. I don't agree with these things. This is what I want you to tell the child. So some of them come with their own agenda and they want to say, this is how I want my child to behave. And this is what I want you to tell my child to behave in the way that I want them to behave. So it really makes Mm. it difficult. And the other thing is um, because a lot of mental health practices or counselors are practicing online, it's often difficult also to work with children online because their attention span is really short. So if you're working online, you really have to be trained to keep their attention, to work with them online. So also that makes it difficult. And counselors who want who work with children also want to make sure they have all the right um, education, the right training to be able to work with children. So hence, it it makes it really difficult, like you said, to find counselors who are dedicated to working with children because there are so many dynamics uh, involved when you work with children. Uh, There's a very sensitive topic in regards to Mm -hmm. suicide. What are some Mm -hmm. of the things Mm -hmm. that help to identify what that is? Yeah, so the thing with suicide, it's really, really difficult to pinpoint specifically when a person would do it because if a person decides to take their own life, often they would, especially when it comes uh, to men. Um, Men, because of the society that we live in, um, often are conditioned not to share their experiences, not to talk about their emotions, to be strong and all of that. So what the research shows that men, um, the, the suicide rate is um, high in, in men 
than in women. And also when men decide to do that, they choose um, a very violent means um, to do that. But some of the things that um, we can, like I said, it's difficult, but some of the things that we can do um, or acknowledge is um, that a person have a very difficult transition in their life. So are they going through a divorce, um, job loss, difficult relationship? Are they facing some challenges? with their finances in their life, um, even online, how are people being treated online and stuff like that. Because oftentimes when we talk about depression, um, suicide, we link it to depression. But that is also not only the thing that happens. Um, a person who may be considering suicide isn't going to be sad and all of that because they may know that, okay, this person may know that this is a thought that I'm having. And also, again, with high-functioning depression. So oftentimes it's good to know, okay, has this person experienced a major life issue that as a result could lead them to um, suicide or to even think about suicide? So some of the things that I mentioned, divorce, breakup from a relationship, financial difficulties, um, being away from their uh, children. Some people may be going through custody um, issues and it may be difficult for them to deal with it. Some people may lose their job and it will be difficult for them to deal with it. Um, some of the signs that... Um, People may talk about or in the mental health field would be somebody selling um, their properties or all their stuff. So they may make, um, in a way, preparation to die. So all the things that um, they may be selling and it doesn't make sense. Like, why are you selling your stuff? What is going to happen? Some people would um, start to contact people and kind of have a last mail or last minute planning with people. Um, they want to do all of these things. So, hey, let's let's come together. I want to tell you that I'm really appreciative of you and all of that. I don't mean that if people do that, that's the reason why. But if it's somebody that maybe this is not the person's um, daily um, way of interacting with people, being all um, emotional or sentimental with people, telling people, you know, I'm really lucky to have you in my life. I don't know what I would have done um, without you and all of those things um, sometimes it could be a sign if they have experienced something traumatic it could be a sign that okay maybe something is going on with this person so so that that's also another um, way sometimes people will stop going to work or uh, with children they will stop going to school um, and especially with children bullying um, in schools it's it's a big issue for children not only in school but also online since um, a lot of children spend some of majority of their time online so bullying online to if they pass something major online that could also be a cause so really talking to people i always say talking to people talking to people is really important and to not make it seem as if um, suicide is a big thing but to normalize the conversation um, around suicide and if somebody opens up to you to also not shut that person down because sometimes we could say things that a person could shut down so somebody may tell you know what I, I really wish I don't wake up um, tomorrow or the next day and we could be like what are you talking about you have everything you have nothing to um, worry about and all of that we could really be a friend to that person and ask them hey I am really concerned about what you shared with me what is going on with you um are you going through some difficulties? Um, what do you need? How can I support you? Really letting them know that you are here for them and all of that. And the other thing also, if somebody shares with you and you tell them, oh, how about your family? That often puts a lot of pressure on people who are considering suicide. So um, 
again, another way to support them is to not make it about you. Do not make it, oh, don't you love me? I love you so much. Why do you want to think about this? But giving the person the space to talk about, okay, these are valid maybe emotions that you are having, valid thoughts that you are having. How can I help you? Maybe you need to talk to a a professional about it, or maybe we need to find ways to support you in whatever you're going through. Tish, is there anything that you want to say before uh, we wrap this session up? So one is a statement and the other one is kind of a lead-in question. So I think it's important the type of uh, counseling that you provide for people of color Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. we have a chance to be ourselves without code switching, which is exhausting Mm -hmm. in and of itself. (laughs) Which is exhausting (laughs) in and of itself. It is. Um, And to be able to go to somebody who can relate to you is extremely important. I guess my Mm -hmm. question is, do you provide counseling or workshops for businesses um, to help them with cultural competency? Yes. So I do that for businesses, organizations, um, communities, all of that. Um, Even sometimes mental health education for communities as well, just for people to know the importance of it. And with cultural competency, like you talk about, uh, people want to be in a space where they can be themselves. Um, I am not only a counselor, but I'm also a client who have been through numerous um, counselors. And I know the impact or the benefit of having a counselor that you can be yourself. You don't have to code switch. A counselor that when I say something, they, they are not telling me, can you explain what what um, this speech means or what this idiom means or um, you have to explain why are you wearing your hair this way or why are you doing things this way or even why are you wearing this and all of that that it becomes really tasking that you in a way you're not being yourself the only space where you could be yourself is in um, is in therapy or in counseling so I think it's really important that uh, people find that and also people train in that and it's not something sometimes I think people just get a training and they check it out but it goes beyond that beyond um, just getting a training but thinking about other ways um, black healing um, a lot of the psychology theories that it's been used is not really focused on black and brown people so that means it's on counselors to learn about what it means what are um, traditional uh, black practices healing practices that they could integrate into their work that sometimes uh, for us um, everything is not about talking Uh, we process things differently we process things in community we process things with food we process things um, through laughter through dance all of these things to integrate that uh, in their sessions and for their clients is there anything alice that you would like to say to our listeners before we uh, Mm -hmm. sign off yeah, so I, I would like to say if you're somebody that um, you're struggling with mental health issues or any mental health challenge to, to seek help. There is, there is help out there. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to suffer alone. There is help out there uh, for you. And um, if you're somebody that you're like, look, I'm waiting for something to go wrong before I see a counselor. I often say see a counselor even when things are going right. Try it once in your life and to not wait for when everything falls apart to see a counselor, but to try it if you have the means. 
to kind of, you know, even explore your life. Why do I even do the things that I do? Why do I behave in the way that I behave? All of these things can be really beneficial when it comes to counseling. Okay. Could you provide our listeners once again with how they can reach you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you can reach me on the website, www.centrinholders.com, um, counseling at centrinholders.com, info at centrinholders.com. Those are the two emails that you can reach out to us. All social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, it's, uh, it's Centrin Wholeness Counseling. Okay, Alice, I thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope our thank listeners listen, uh, will reach out and talk to Alice because Tish brought up a good thing, you know, in regards to that people of color need to seek counseling from other people of color so that they can mm-hmm. have more, the person has a better understanding of where that person is coming from. Alice, thank you once again. This is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.